Abijam became king over Judah, and he reigned three years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Maacah, the granddaughter of Abishalom. And he walked in all the sins of his father. Notice there's nothing changing here. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. After Rehoboam reigned, Abijam, his son, became king over Judah. This son of Rehoboam only reigned three years, showing that God did not bless his reign. His heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of King David. This was a real problem with Abijam's reign, his lack of a real personal relationship with God. David sinned during his reign, but his heart stayed loyal to the Lord his God. We also learn that Abijam knew something of the Lord and knew how to preach, but he did not uproot the idolatry and the sexual immorality that was introduced by Rehoboam. Now let's join Pastor Rob in the book of 1 Kings chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Hey, let's open our Bibles to 1 Kings. We're going to look at uh, chapter 15 tonight. 1 Kings chapter 15. And while you're opening to 1 Kings 15, I'm just going to recap the previous chapter just to kind of get us into where we're at. Um, You recall that in chapter 14 that we discussed last week that... It says that um, there was a time when Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, became sick. And Jeroboam, instead of going to uh, seek the Lord himself, because as you know, he was involved in pagan idolatry, uh, creating two different worship centers, one in the northern part of Israel in, in Dan, and then another one in the southern part of the northern district in Bethel. And he created these two altars, and they worshipped a golden calf at each of these things, which we know is idolatry. It was uh, something God had never intended his people to worship anything other than him. And yet Jeroboam uh, does these things. And so now that his hypocrisy and his blatant idolatry is in full bloom, his child... um, Abijah becomes sick, and so instead of going and seeking God and seeking a prophet of God himself, he does what, uh, well, he sends his wife, and he disguises her. And, and she goes, and she goes to Shiloh, where there was a prophet not by the name of Ahijah. There, there's a lot of similarities and names here, so there's just one character that's different, so don't get, let that trip you up. But So she goes to Ahijah, she comes down to Shiloh to visit him, and the whole idea is to inquire about the well-being of the child. And, and of course, uh, Ahijah at this time is an old man, he can't see, he's probably got cataracts and all kinds of other things, he, he can't see. And yet, while Jeroboam's wife is making her way to his residence, 
the Lord speaks to him and says, oh, by the way, there's someone, there's a woman coming and she's disguising herself to be somebody different, but she's Jeroboam's wife. So just so you know, Ahijah. So as soon as she walks in the door, she's amazed that Ahijah addresses her as Jeroboam's wife, much to her chagrin, blowing her cover. But then the Lord has something to share with her that she needs to take back to her husband, Jeroboam, this idolatrous king of the north. And the message was this. He says, God said this through the prophet. He says, because I exalted you from among the people and made you ruler over my people, Israel, and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you, and yet you have not been as my servant David. Notice, David is the benchmark here. And you'll notice that as we go through the book of Kings, and it speaks of the, the kings of Judah, that there's always a comparison uh, of David's character. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, David got himself into some messes, didn't he? Yes, he did. But there's a difference. David never struggled with idolatry. Did David fall into sin and do something really horrible? Yes, he did. But the cool thing is, and something we need to remember, is that David repented of those sins, and his heart was after God with all of his heart. He went after God with all of his heart. That's why the Bible can say he was a man after God's own heart. So David is not sinless, but God was very pleased with David's heart because when he did sin, he didn't just gloss it over. He didn't just put it under the rug. He didn't pay people off to keep quiet about it. No, he, can, he confessed it. He got it out in the open, and his life was never the same. And the sword would never depart from his house. He would go through many family problems and changes, and it was just a horrible thing that he went through. But he knew he was forgiven. And he knew he was going to heaven in spite of the adultery with Bathsheba, in spite of the murder of her husband, in spite of those things. And yet God will use him as a benchmark for all the kings of Judah. How important is repentance? How how important is confession of sin and repentance? If that be the case, I would say that it's very important. Because guess what? God doesn't hold David, he doesn't hold those sins over his head. Because as far as God's concerned, they've been confessed, they're behind him. He says, I I cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. I, I cast them behind my back into the sea where I'll never look upon them again. And how can he do that? Because of his righteousness, because of Christ. Now, Christ hadn't been born yet, but God was already um, priming the people for the Messiah to come. And their faith in this Messiah that would come was what gave them that confidence that when they died, even in the Old Testament, that they will go to heaven because of their belief in the Messiah, their belief and trust in God and his promises looking forward. And they did, and many did. And there are many Old Testament believers in heaven. And so he goes on here and he says... um, You know, but you have not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments and who followed me, notice, with all of his heart, to do only what was right in my eyes. But you have done more evil than all who were before you, for you have gone and made for yourself other gods, molded images to provoke me to anger, and have cast me behind your back. Therefore, behold, I will bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam. Now, this is important for us to remember. That's why I'm reading it again, because as we look at The passage we're looking at tonight, we're going to see the fulfillment uh, of this. 
And he says, and remember this, underline it if you have to. Therefore, verse 10, behold, I will bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam and will cut off from Jeroboam. Notice, every male in Israel, bond and free, that belong to Jeroboam. Notice, and I will take away the remembrance of the house of Jeroboam as one takes away refuse until it's all gone. And the dogs will eat whoever belongs to Jeroboam and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field, for the Lord has spoken. And don't you love it when God speaks? I love it when God speaks. I love it when he speaks to me through his word. And, you know, if by just reading the word of God, you are putting yourself in the very best place. You're putting yourself on the very best place. There is no better place on the planet than wherever you are at reading your Bible. There's no greater place. And you know what? If your heart is in a place, and you know, we all get at these times in our life where we seem and feel kind of dull. We don't really feel like reading the Word. We don't feel like we're like, oh, it's a little too hard. I don't understand. You know, I get all of that. But you know what? Here's the thing. The, the, the Lord says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A person who's diligently seeking the Lord doesn't give up after five minutes and go, I don't understand this. Diligently seek him. People in universities diligently seek their studies. They get into it. They're looking at the books. They're looking at this. They're looking at that. Why don't we do that with the Bible? If we don't get, it on the, if we don't get something by the first pass, and, and that pass is kind of lazy, we're just kind of, I didn't get anything out of it. Well, you know what? Maybe you need to read it again. <laughs> and maybe you needed to read it again. And read it again, and then read it slow, and then pray and say, Lord, help me to understand anything you want to speak to me through this. Because believe me, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between the bones and the marrow and the ligaments and the, and the marrow. I mean, and it is a discerner of the intents and in the hearts of man. And as I read it, I'm under the microscope. I am in, I'm in the place of God looking into me. He's shining the one million candle power light on my soul as I read it. But people today, they, they, they're in, they, they judge God. People in universities, now what do they do? They, 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 they tell all their students, you don't need to believe in God, you just need to believe the higher critics, those of us who've been to Harvard and Yale. Believe them. Hogwash. What is the chaff to the wheat? Amen? And God's word is a hammer. It is a fire, and I love it. Please read it and, and ask God to help you understand. And it's, it's, there, there's so many things that we've got available to us today to help us know it, but it's so wonderful, and I love it. But notice, but you've done more evil than all of them, he says. And then finally, um, and it says, arise therefore, so God tells this woman, this uh, Jeroboam's wife, arise therefore and go to your own house, and when your feet enter the city, the child shall die, and, and all Israel shall mourn for him and bury him. And, um, and so it's a really horrible indictment upon this child. Jeroboam is hoping to hear something good, because the last time this prophet spoke to Jeroboam, Jeroboam gave him ten pieces of his robe and said, ten, ten kingdoms or ten uh, tribes belong to you now, the northern ten tribes, you're king now. So Jeroboam is thinking to himself, well, I think I'm going to hear some more good news. But God says, no, I've got bad news. You haven't been following me, you haven't been doing the right things. 
So this is what's going to happen. I'm going to bring judgment upon you. And so his wife arose and departed, and she came to Tirzah, which was the capital at that time for the northern ten tribes. And when she came to the threshold of the house, the child died. And then it tells us in verse 21 that Rehoboam then, the son of uh, Solomon, he reigned in Judah, and he was 41 years old when he, be, when he began to reign. He reigned seven, 17 years, excuse me. And he also did wicked things, and, and they built for themselves high places, sacred pillars, wooden images to Ashtaroth on every wooden, on every high hill, excuse me, and under every green tree. And there was also perverted persons in the land, yes, homosexuals, doing horrible, despicable things. And they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And these kind of practices have been happening. And God says, you guys are continuing to do the same thing. And so it happened in the fifth year that King Rehoboam, of King Rehoboam, that Shishak, king of Egypt, came down and he basically took all of the articles out of the house of God and the king's house and all the gold and all those other things. And um, it was a horrible thing. And then it says, now the rest of the acts of Rehoboam, are they not written in the, the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. And so let's get into uh, chapter 15 now. What I'd like to do is just read the first 24 verses, and then we'll go back and take a look at it a little more carefully. So notice now it says, In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, how would you like to have a name like Nebat? Abijam became king over Judah, and he reigned three years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Maacah, the granddaughter of Abishalom. And he walked in all the sins of his father. Notice there's nothing changing here, which he had done before him. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father, David. Now, David really wasn't his father, but he was his ancestor. He was really his grandfather. And you're going to see this kind of relationship and these kind of words in the Bible. And you'll notice that there's some distance sometimes between a lineage of men. But when it says the father of somebody, because David remembers the benchmark, so he's, they're always going to be referring back to David as a father, but really it could be a, a grandfather, a great-grandfather, a great-great-great-great-grandfather. So you're going to see that word father. So it can literally mean father or great-grandfather or somebody in the ancestral lineage, okay? So be aware of that, because if you take it literally, you're going to think, oh, there's a mistake in the Bible, <laughs> and it's not really a mistake at all. It's just the way things were written. And so... Nevertheless, verse 4, for David's sake, notice, the Lord, has, the Lord his God gave him up, uh, gave, I'm sorry, gave him a lamp. I'm sorry, let me, let me go back here. I've got to make sure I get this. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by setting up his son after him and by establishing Jerusalem because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, except for the matter of Uriah the Hittite. And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of his life. And now the rest of the acts of Abijam and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And there was war between Abijam and Jeroboam. And so Abijam rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David, and then Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. So nepotism was very uh, something that happened uh, a lot back in these times. It was a line of kings. 
And God told the, uh, the children of Israel, going way back in their history, that it would be through the line of Judah that, that ultimately David would come, and then ultimately where Jesus would come, through the line of Judah, fulfilling the prophecies of Jeremiah, or I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 49, verse 10, where the scepter won't depart from Judah, and, and, and also the uh, covenant that God had made with David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. All of these things add up. And in Isaiah chapter 11, you know, the, the stump from Jesse, all of these things all have their, their place in David and ultimately in Jesus Christ. But nepotism is a word that today when you use it, nobody likes the idea. But back in this time, God didn't have a problem with it. God doesn't have a problem with that. If the person's qualified and the person learns, they can, it doesn't matter who your father was. If you learn from your father's uh, mistakes, good are you if you learn from the mistakes and go forward and start walking with God. So in the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa, became king over Judah. And he reigned 41 years, that's a long time, in Jerusalem. And his grandmother's name was Maacah, the granddaughter of Abishalom who was really Absalom. Whenever you see this word Abishalom, you saw it up in verse uh, 2 as well, and here in verse 10 as well, that means Absalom, David's third son. And so it says, Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did his father David. Notice the comparison again. And he banished the perverted persons from the land and removed all the idols that his father had made. Also, he removed Maacah, his grandmother, from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. And Asa cut down her obscene image and burned it in the brook Kidron, which is right to the uh, east of the Temple Mount today, the brook Kidron. But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was loyal to the Lord all of his days. He also brought into the house of the Lord the things which his father had dedicated and the things which he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and utensils. And no doubt these were things he had won from the wars uh, with the, um, that we'll find out here. And there was war between Asa and ba- uh, um, Baasha, king of Israel, all their days. And Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might let no, none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. And then Asa took all the silver and the gold that was left in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the treasuries of the king's house, and he delivered them into the hand of his servants. And King Asa sent them to Ben-Hadad, the son of Tabramon, the son of Hezion, king of, Assy- king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you a present of silver and gold. Come and break your treaty with Baasha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. And so Ben-Hadad heeded King Asa and, and, and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. And he attacked Aijan and Dan and abel beth Maacah and all Chinnereth and all the land of Naphtali. And now it happened when Baasha heard that he stopped building Ramah and remained in Tirzah. And then King Asa made a proclamation throughout all Judah, and none was exempted. And they took away the stones and the timber of Ramah, which Baasha had used for building, and with them King Asa built Geba of Benjamin and Mizpah, 
Now the rest of the acts of Asa, all his might and all that he did, and the cities which he built, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? But in the time of his old age he was diseased in his feet, and so Asa rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place. Now, what's interesting here is uh, the very next person that's going to be the successor of the king of Judah, we know that Asa dies and his, his son, Jehoshaphat, is going to be the next in line. But we're not going to hear about Jehoshaphat until chapter, or excuse me, verse 14 of the very last chapter of 1 Kings. The reason for that is because after, uh, during Asa, uh, during his reign, there's going to be a, a series of kings of, of Israel that are going to take place. And so uh, between, and also uh, in addition to those five or six kings that we're going to read about over the next several pages, we're also going to see the ministries and the lives of Elijah the prophet and his successor, Elisha the prophet, and their um, interaction with Ahab, king of Israel. And so that's going to basically consume the next several chapters until chapter 22, verse 14, I believe it is, where we finally pick up with this next king of Judah. And so uh, let's go back and take a look at verse 1. Notice it says, and I would encourage you to write in your Bibles, uh, if you don't have it there already, there is a parallel portion to this in Second Chronicles chapter 13 through 14, verse 1. Uh, and so as we read of this uh, life of Abijam down through verse 8, you can um, uh, look at Second Chronicles 13 through 14, verse 1, and it fills in some of the blanks, some more details. And something you need to know about First and Second Chronicles is that you're not going to find much at all about the kings of Israel in First and Second Chronicles because uh, the Bible doesn't really... Um, Number one, those books haven't been found, but the overall tenor of the Bible is about, about the line of Judah to David and then to Jesus. And so the, the, those who uh, canonize the Bible and the books, um, certainly the, the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah are here for very good reason, but the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel are not available. God doesn't concern himself with the kings of, of Israel because they were all wicked every single one of them. So he focuses on the kings of Judah, and that's all First and Second Chronicles is about, is the kings of Judah, those southern two tribes. And the only, only time you might see a, a king's name from the northern ten tribes pop in is just by way of reference, but there's nothing about their lives. Um, so just understand that, that First and Second Chronicles are all about the kings of Judah. Okay? So notice, going back in verse 1 here, it says, In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, Abijam became king over Judah. And his name is also called Abijah. So as you read Chronicles, Second uh, Chronicles 13, for instance, you're going to see the name, and it's going to uh, be uh, spelled Abijah instead of Abijam. Okay? Don't let that throw you again. In the Bible, there's a number of name changes and different variants of spellings of different names. And just a little bit of uh, looking into these things, you become aware of that. 
Okay, and so Abijah or Abijam, they all are synonymous. He reigned from 913 until 910 BC. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of First Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.